Welcome to the Carrot and Stick podcast, a podcast series where we try to get under the skin of all things sales management and motivation, speaking to sales leaders, down to individual salespeople and everything in between to really understand what makes the wonderful world of sales tick. I'm Derry and in this first episode, we'll be speaking to Donna Owen, the VP of Revenue at Odro, a video rec tech platform designed to help recruiters humanize the way that they do business. We go through all kinds of topics today, touching on how to handle underperformance, how to motivate salespeople during the tough times, and also going through her journey at Vincere, a company that recently exited to access for an undisclosed amount of money, but I imagine a very, very great amount. Donna's learned absolutely tons through that journey and also through her one year stint working at the Access Group, and she's got so many valuable lessons to share. Let's get into it and see what she's got to say. Cool. Uh, Donna, so I really want to kind of go back to where it all began. I spoke about this a little bit before we came on air. You started in what I like to call Big Rec, right? You started out there. You had the gym that you told me about. I thought you were a PT. Turns out you actually owned a gym and then you've come all the way through into Rec Software. It's one hell of a journey. So what I'd love to know first and foremost is talk to you about those early days. One, how did you fall into recruitment? Because it seems to be that everyone falls into recruitment, not by choice, Mm -hmm. but more by accident. And then what did that journey through those larger recruitment companies teach you? What lessons did you take away from that around sales management? Okay, let's let's keep it quite high level. Otherwise, it's going to be like, that's a nice story, Grandma. <laughs> Two hours later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Started, um, well, actually, didn't start my recruitment journey at um, Reed. It was a li- little bit before that, but um, I, I kind of, uh, I worked for a smaller agency, realized recruitment was absolutely what I wanted to do. Uh, loved it. Um, it's uh, It was an industry that I'd not really heard of before. I wanted to be an accountant because I I thought it was mm. a proper job. Um, I'm from a, a pretty rough place in Manchester and um, no one was really doing much and I wanted to do something with my life and I thought, oh, I'll be an accountant because you don't need to go to university and it's a proper job with a real salary. Um, and so I went to uh, study accountancy uh, and ended up doing payroll in a recruitment business. Um, and that's how I fell into recruitment mm. is that I was very, very envious of all of the recruiters having a wonderful time making loads of money. And there I was sat there on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock, putting timesheets in, getting them <laughs> from a, a fax machine, really showing my age, getting timesheets from the fax machine, putting them into the system, running payroll. So, um, yeah, that was a, a much smaller agency. But then I realized recruitment was for me and wanted to um, go and find the, you know, the best recruitment companies where I could learn. And kind of grow and, and read was absolutely that and uh, any readies that are, are watching this I'm sure will agree with me it's a fantastic place to learn the trade um and so kind of worked my way up at read absolutely right got the gym that was uh my, my husband's actually a, a, a trainer and it just seemed like the right thing to do um so that was a kind of a on the sideline I like to train myself as well so it seemed like that kind of made sense mm. um and then hit a bit, of a bit of a brick wall, really, in in agency. And, you know, it's, it's not nothing against Reed. I think it's just telling of the industry at the time that as soon as you have a couple of kids, it all becomes very, very difficult, uh, very unflexible. Um, and so set up on my own for a little while um, before moving into into Hayes. Um, Hayes, great experience again. Fantastic employer. My favorite thing about Hayes is the amount of amazing female leaders. That was where I was like in my element, just surrounded by these these great women who were just you know they take no prisoners um and and that was that was amazing for me but I think you know I I'm I will always be partly because of 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 my journey and what it's done for my life and the fact that my children never have to now go through things that I've been through and you know I've got recruitment to thank for that so 
Um, mm. You know, I've, I've worked hard. I was always top biller. Um, always made a lot of money. You know, had far more, much more money when I'm in my twenties than I do now as a recruiter. <laughs> I was rolling in it. Just um, now, it's a little bit easier with the two kids, right? <laughs> yeah, well, three now. <laughs> um, yeah, three now. So, um, but yeah, you know, so I, I feel as though, you know, not to be too cheesy, but I do owe the industry a lot, and um, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's been like it's been life changing for me. But one thing that always really grinding my gears in recruitment was how rubbish the technology was um and I'm like come on you know I feel like we're we're really chasing other industries here um and was always that one you know that 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 top biller that just moans about the system Mm -hmm. and it's got you know draws draws stacks full of CVs in the in the drawer and just bypassing every bit of admin possible yeah um classic yeah and then just decided that I needed to stop bloody moaning about it and go and do something about it so um went off to the bright lights of London to 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 seek my fortune in recruitment technology um and here I am fortuneless (laughs) (laughs) but um, yeah so five years now five six years later and actually in the last five years in terms of me and my career and kind of sales leadership um I've actually grown more um, in terms of of my career in the last five years than I did in recruitment in 12. Um, So I think it was probably a a good decision and I've definitely found my happy place now. Mm, Interesting. It's it's such a fascinating conversation. I have it all the time with my team members when I'm saying, you know, there's such a wonderful opportunity in SaaS to learn so much because it's such a broad industry that many don't really know about as such. Like the C software, call it software. The actual kind of software as a service world behind that itself is just so fascinating to learn from. Maybe we dig into that actually as well as a starting point, right? Because I think the one name that anyone will know, especially if they're in recruitment, is Vincere, right? That was the big journey you've just finished on recently as well. Three years there. Guys had the access to it and the access, the exit to access, other way around. And that's (laughs) like one hell of a journey. It must have been really exciting. And I, I know your role there was like global sales leader. What define that role for me? Because titles can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different businesses. Were you managing every yeah. salesperson around the world? Were you responsible more for London and selling out there to different markets? What did it yeah. look like? So Vincherry will always be, there'll always be like a Vincherry logo, like etched on my heart. <laughs> and again, it sounds really cheesy, but honestly, that that three, you know, it was actually nearly four years um, was just the most defining four years um and has now kind of almost set out what the I'm not, I'm not old but I'm probably you know not the start of my career either and I think that the the, the, the four years at Vinny has really etched out what the rest of my career is going to look like um and yeah absolutely joined joined a few weeks before the first lockdown um and you know had a a little bit of a uh, of a wobble when obviously Boris came on the telly and said uh, no more. <laughs> yeah. And I was, uh, you know, my, my husband, as I said, is a personal trainer, so had no work. Um, and it was a bit of a gut check time, to be honest. I'm like, I've just come out of a pretty uh, a highly paid senior role with lots of security and everything else um, to go and take this chance going into a brand that I'd followed and loved for quite some time. Mm. So I was a big, I was a big Vinny fan uh, prior to to going along. And um, and yeah, and it, you know, it's not paid off. It's it's backfired and smacked me in the face and actually the opposite was true because don't forget we you know 
we're in recruitment and recruitment's like one of them weeble things that just won't be held down. <laughs> so nope. instead of what we thought might happen, which was recruitment businesses are all going to go under, they're going to stop hiring, they're not going to buy any rec tech, the actual opposite happened. Now, we were quite clever in, and tactical in the way that we structured deals for the product and you know made it very, very easy to invest in throughout the pandemic. Uh, and really took care of our current customers as well. I think that was quite smart. But ultimately, because recruiters won't be held down, they were like, right, okay, well, we've got no jobs, but do you know that digital transformation that we've been putting off for the last three years? Should we do that until all of this, you know, this virus stuff has kind of blown over? And, um, and yeah, so we saw a, a, an amazing amount of growth. And I went from um, really just being a kind of senior sales exec really I went I went in I wasn't I didn't care about the job title I'm not I don't care about job titles um I want you know it's for me it's all about the product it's about the brand it's about the opportunity I went in as as, as a kind of senior I suppose team leader mm. um and instead of having a kind of a a last in first out policy when I uh I went on to my Zoom call with uh, Mr. Bernie Shima, who anyone in the industry will know as a, a very scary man um, when he wanted to be. <laughs> I was thinking he's going to, you know, um, say, you know, sorry, you, you know, we're in a pandemic. He actually said, look, you know, why don't you take over the team? Um, and so forever thankful for the opportunity. Um, but hopefully, you know, he'll agree that that paid off wow. um, <laughs> I'm sure it has now that he's solving cherry I'm sure it's done plenty um, fine and, and so, the next thing we know we went from you know three or four people to 10 to 15 um, mm. and our, our our revenue kind of followed suit and before you know it you're in this huge whirlwind of amazingness and uh, and then you know the the usual suspects come knocking and and, and we got acquired and people were mm. people did a lot of head tilting to me like oh you know, you got acquired. Is that are you all right? And I'm like, it's <laughs> fucking amazing. You had a great time. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's you know that's what that's what these small tech companies usually are heading for anyway. So mm. for me, it was a, it was before our time, but it was a a huge achievement and and something that you know that if I had to pinpoint one moment that I'm the most proud of in my entire career, it's when I I heard the news that we'd done the deal. I mean, why not? It's a big one to kind of have a stamp up, right? And be able to carry forward and say, yeah, I've been yeah. with the business through to exit. I mean, I tell my team this an awful lot as well. Like being here at One Up and being able to go through a journey where eventually I imagine we will sell at some stage, sure. When we get to that point, you can go to any company and say, I was there when Emma, when our like annual revenue was under one mil. We grew the team from five people to like 40. <laughs> walk into a job, walk into a job and say, you built this function. That is going to be absolutely huge for anyone to have yeah. on their CV, right? And you've basically just gone and done that at Vincherry, so no surprise at all. But obviously now we've had people like Ryan come knocking for a job at Audra as well, huh? Well, you know, my WhatsApp was pretty busy when it all got announced, I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I do, I, I feel, I feel very, very fortunate and I feel, you know, there was, there was there, in some respects, I was in the right place at the right time, but there was an awful lot of blood, sweat and tears that went into that three years and, you know, a lot of tears. Um, and, you know, we did some incredibly large deals that were, um, you know, we were under-resourced for, we were punching above our weight for, and, you know, it was really, it, it was taking its toll. So, yes, I was I was relieved when we achieved that because um, it you meant that I could take again. a breath. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and um, and then you know, in a in a world which is uncertain, and there's there's people out there who are who are out of work, and you know, my WhatsApp's going off. So I I don't understand why anyone would think that that was a anything but a really positive experience. It was it was fantastic. Mm. But I've always followed. It's, it's, sad, it's sad when the ride sort of ends, right? For some, I always think it should go on forever. Whereas to some companies, no, there is a goal to eventually get out, right? Yeah, 100%. Mm. And, you know, whatever Bernie and Eloise are doing now, I hope it's amazing. And, you know, one of the reasons why I work so hard for that time is because they did. You know, mm. when you sit and that's something that, you know, no, we're going to go on to my kind of leadership style shortly. But that's something that I've really taken into this role is that, you know, <clears throat> Yes, you can do all of the process and the structure and put everything into place and all the different sales methodologies, but nothing gets your sales team popping like seeing you doing it and working hard. And, you know, when I was working Sundays, so were they. And they're seven hours ahead of me, so it's their night time. So, you know, it, it, I feel as though, you know, that's whatever they're doing, I wish them, like, well. well. That's that's a really good um, point to kind of point uh, bring out here as well because I've always kind of viewed it as when we bring guests on to the podcast, the idea was that we'd either be talking to a leader and talking about their style or to an IC, an individual contributor, and about how they're managed. But here you've probably got really good context. So you said Bernie, quite a scary guy at points, but what was their management style? It wasn't just a case of all they did was work on a Sunday and therefore I was mega inspired. What were the things that they did right to really inspire and drive you to give your absolute all for those three four years? I think their obsession with the product was hugely effective and it 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 made me obsessed with the not with with my product knowledge as well mm. um and then that kind of got off on the team and hopefully if you speak to any of the global team at Vinny that were that were reporting into me if I wanted to leave one legacy that's what it would be is that I want them to be able to to demo like no one else um because they their knowledge is like fantastic so i think that you know that in, in vincherry there was never really any um any sales training they never said you you know this is a cadence and this is what we do here and this is our commit there was no there was no commit calls anything mm. like that that didn't exist at all but we knew how to sell that product um and so that was their their style was to build the best possible products and give us the best possible chance of success um but also they um they didn't they didn't scrimp on the on the sales team otas were big um because you know why not if, if people are bringing in the money why not share the wealth um and so that was that was a big thing is that we were able to hire um you know the best sales people on the market um mm. give them an unprecedented amount of product knowledge um and set them off on their way and you know they saw me i was billing two million arr a year as an individual contributor at vincherry and they saw me do that and they were like yeah we want to do that so i was like come with me (laughs) and i'll show you how and that was really and and that and actually that's um it was only once we um once we were acquired and i said i'd stay at access for a year and i did um great company by the way fantastic company they do things in the complete opposite way so they have a remarkable sales engine um and they have people who are absolute experts when it comes to the science of selling and so i feel that now i'm in this unique kind of position where i can almost merge the two so you know the lead by example come on a journey with me sell the product 
with a sprinkling of this kind of process and structure and rigor mm. that has made access so successful. So that's where I'm kind of experimenting with at the moment, Ardro. And what's your leadership style at Ardro? Are you the are you given used to run a gym, quite a driver? Do you put on some banging music and go, let's go, let's go, lift those that phones? That is my leadership style. <laughs> or are you that, a bit more that's... kind of a bit more hard edge, or are you really soft and kind of like caring? Like, what is the style you go for? And obviously, you can turn those things on and off at different times. Yeah, but how would you think your team would describe but... you? I feel like um, they. I, I, I spend quite a lot of time kind of in the trenches. So I'm very, very visible. I'm there all the time. I'm, they know exactly where I am. There's no such, it's, I, I like to kind of have our, our, our sales team is a safe place. So I don't feel, I don't need to be kind of scary or anything like that. And I do, I, I feel like for the wrong team, my leadership style might not be suited because it could be seen as weakness. Um, and then maybe taken advantage of. But if I have the right people, then my leadership style, I think, will be successful because we're a team. We win together. We lose together. Um, and my kind of obsession with product knowledge, understanding a roadmap, understanding how technology works, um, I'm going to keep that. That's something that I will mm. take from role to role to role and, and hopefully be able to um, to kind of, you know, have that rub off on the on on the team as well. So as to answer your question, leadership style is very much lead from the front. It's very much be there to serve my team. I don't see myself as the boss or the big cheese. Um, I'm very much there for them. Um, but also to be able to never lose the ability to demo the product um, and to know exactly what we are and what our mission is and how we solve problems as opposed to build features um so kind of a, a blend of all of those but um i can kick ass as well if i need to but so far i haven't <laughs> needed to well done guys no nah, I, I was gonna say three months after i'd hope you haven't had to kick too much ass just yet not just yet um, no <laughs> i, I want to press in here around some difficult areas as well because this is where you really start to find insight that normally never really escapes the surface when it comes to things like difficult conversations like i think any tales leader would say yeah i really care about my team you know we're a family or whatever other word they might i don't like the word family person i'm not sure about you High-performing team I much prefer to go towards. But obviously it comes to a point where numbers are being missed, for example. Someone's underperforming, culture might be slipping in areas. How do you go about approaching tough conversations like that? Because they aren't easy conversations to have, especially when you're trying to get everyone so bought in, right? So, yeah, I feel like it shouldn't, shouldn't be a surprise. Um, you know, people know that a salesperson knows they're not doing very well, well before the conversation happens. Um, so it should never be a surprise. But what I, I, I believe that you should totally eat the frog and not get to the point where it's kind of irreparable. But it does come down to, and you know, I'm new in post at the moment and I've seen it before where new sales leaders have come in and straight away they're gunning for somebody. They're like, right, who who can I go for? Or, you know, who can I get rid of? I need to strip some heads because it's going to like stamp my authority early. That's the opposite to what I do. So even if I walked into a total nightmare, which I haven't, by the way, <laughs> uh, they're amazing. You know, you know, Save the Andre sales team, they're, they're pretty, they're, they're pretty well known as being total legends. But, um, you know, even if I did, I wouldn't make that decision early on. I would take some time to just uh, build that relationship with the team so that um, I can have that conversation early. And it's not a surprise. And actually, it helps them and becomes that turning point. It should be a light bulb moment where they go home, they have the conversation. It's horrible. It's not very nice. I don't take any prisoners. But I, the aim is that they go home, have a, a think about it, and they come in the next day 
with ideas, with things that we can do, with, you know, a, a plan. Um, and that usually works. And sometimes it doesn't. And it's just, it, it might be kind of, you know, the end of the road for people. Um, I, I think we probably share our hiring woes. Good people, good salespeople are really in SaaS, are very difficult to come by. Mm. Um, and, and not everyone makes it. They think it's it's going to be a, a, an easy ride and it's not always the case. Um, but I think if you have got good people, when you come to that point where you've got to have that conversation, I'd say have it early, definitely have it early and then let them process it and see see what they come up with. And nine times out of 10, they'll come back with a plan. And make sure um, that first conversation ultimately is, look, things aren't going according to plan. We need to fix this. Go away and have a think about it. Have essentially. a think about it. Yeah, so not, yeah. I think in my early days, I used to try and come with a solution as well. I'd be like, right, you know, uh, I think it com- it start, it's kind of coming from recruitment where you have like um, pips yes. for underperformance. So you go straight to your pip. I haven't done a pip since I've been in, in SaaS sales. Like we yeah. don't, don't go down that road because it's a one-way street usually. Um, so I, I've, I think And that- the person on the pip doesn't feel good either, right? It's not, it's just, it's not productive at all. So I, but that's always what you do in recruitment. You'd always have a really kind of, particularly in the big companies as well. You'd always have kind of a, a set kind of guidelines and this is what we're going to do. We're going to put a plan in place. So because I came from that, I think my kind of the, my earlier sales leadership days, maybe early Vinny would have been right. Okay. You're not hitting the mark. You're not performing. Here's what we're going to do. These are the measures that we're going to put in place. These are what I'm going to monitor over the next three months, yada, yada, yada. And they go away and go, all right, then and mm. off they go. But actually, if you say things aren't going well, this is why now you go away and have a think about what we can do to change it. You often find that what you get when they come in the next day, is something that's going to be a lot more effective than if I were to come up with a solution. So I think often it just takes a little bit of a um, gut check time, a little bit of a, oh, okay, you know, fork in the road, let's let's change things. But, yeah. you know, sales is quite tough though, because, you know, I've been there where I've kind of thought, why is nothing going right? Like I'm having some really bad luck, is it me? And actually it's it, at that point, it does take a good leader to say to you, actually just keep on doing what you're doing, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then actually your look changes and and you start to perform again. So, uh, but equally, it takes a good leader to go, you're not doing what you need to be doing. So change it. Yeah, you'd always Um, rather be black and white. You know, if you're doing the right things, just not getting the results, but carry on. Or if you do need to course correct along the way, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah. But I think that's a confidence thing as a leader as well, because you've got to, you've got to decide whether it is, whether it is just, they're just having a rotten run of luck and they just need to dig in and keep going and you can kind of support them through that, that difficult time mm. or whether the, you know they're a busy fool and they seem to be doing the right things but actually what they're doing is not good enough and it takes yeah. it takes experience of seeing what what works and what doesn't work in order to be able to make that call but you're playing with people's lives and you're playing with a career so you've you've got to try and get it right if you can you have a responsibility in my eyes to look after and care for them yes whether that's going totally. out the door and say look clearly there's a mismatch here you deserve a better match somewhere else or let's fix this here and now if we want you to stay here but it's got to be corrected totally yeah mm. i agree so one thing i would really like digging into with people and this is just something i've done in conversations over the years always is like job title transparency again you've mm-hmm. probably got two relatively similar roles here but two very different titles global sales leader of cherry vp mm-hmm. revenue at odro Talk to me, what is a VP revenue at Odro? What's it responsible for? How does it differ to your role at Vincere? Um, So in Vincere, my role was very, very focused on new business. 
So I was all about new logos. I I was very involved with our customer base for two reasons. A, it's just who I am. Like I can't. Let I think go. every single Vincherry customer I spoke to knew who you were. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Um, I just, I, you know, you, you, you're doing big deals. You build a big relationship with these guys. You can't just disappear into a puff of smoke. You look, you look like a fake. You know, you've got to stick around. Um, so yeah, that, that I was, I was involved with the base just because that's me. Um, but I was also involved in the base in that you know we had a very inbound sales model at Vincherry. Um, very fortunate, I know. I know guys banging the phones, I'm sorry. Nice? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but you know, we worked hard to create that. And the way that we did that was by making all of our customers into a huge marketing team. So anything from, you know, LinkedIn shout outs to G2 crowd reviews to, you know, any anything that any, you know, kudos that we could get from our current customer base just went straight into that inbound machine and spat out demo requests. And that is a model that really, really works. Um, and so <clears throat> I was very kind of involved in the base because I saw it as part of my role as the new business leader mm. um, but I didn't really know from a customer success and account management perspective didn't really know or care what was going on <laughs> um, when it came to the number I was like I'll just keep topping up the funnel um, <laughs> and you guys do you know you you keep them that's your job you know we've got we've got customer success there and um, it's your job to keep them build great product they'll stay my job is to top them up um, and I saw that very much as, as as my responsibility and actually that was a you know sometimes 70 hour a week job so I didn't yeah. really want to take on anymore anyway um, so in Audro, it's slightly different. Um, so I look after anything that creates revenue. So mm. account management, um, new business, all kind of falls under me. So any anything that feeds into the number really um, kind of comes under me. So I look after our new business, but also our current customer base as well um, to make sure that our churn is as low as it possibly can be in the wonderful world of SaaS, um, and uh, and also that we're that we're topping up the bathwater as well, which is it's that's quite new for me, um, and something that I can thank my friends at Access for because they've got a very account management kind of model within their sales team. So it's something they that have I've been a able lot to of learn. products to offer at the end of the day, right? Hundred yeah. percent. Like cross sell for them is absolutely huge, and I was just like a sponge for a year coming from such a um, inbound and um, new business model in, in Vincherry and living and breathing that for so long, I was completely out of my comfort zone for like the first three months at Access, but absolutely just magnified glass the more. Like, how are you doing this? And actually got very friendly with a lot of the sales leaders who were outside of the recruitment division, um, just to understand how they've got this. They've got this ridiculously successful self-sustained, I think valuation is like 9 billion. Right now. Yeah, they're a massive company. It's just fascinating. And to come out of this kind of, I know Vincere wasn't exactly a scrappy startup either, but it was when I started. So mm. to come out of that and all of a sudden be dropped into this huge kind of corporate, well, it wasn't really corporate, the, the culture isn't corporate access, they're lovely. But it was, um, yeah, it was just a completely different... There was a lot of structure, different... a lot of frameworks. It was very organized, yeah. essentially, right? And, and, and I'll be honest with you, I would not be able to, I don't think Ryan would have, hired me for the revenue role nor would I have been able to do it to the extent that I've been able to do it had I not had the access experience mm. because I would just have been like a bull in a china shop bring me some new logos like sell 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 whereas actually now I can sit for you know two or three hours 
look at a report, look at, you know, spend versus opportunity, look at cross-sell, look at upsell, look at churn, and all of that lovely stuff, and really know kind of what I'm talking about, or at least I can sound like mm. I do anyway, which is the main thing. But um, and, yeah, so and, it's and, kind and of And me that. curious, this is a small tangent point, but you guys obviously released a higher deck recently, right? Which I guess for yeah. you is a new motion in terms of it being PLG. Yeah, it's, um, mm. it's yeah, it's... Exciting um, different frontier, right? Having to manage product leads. Yeah, no, it is, and um, it's 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 an exciting, not not pivot for Audra. I think someone described it to me as a pivot at a recent event uh, that I went to, and actually I said no, it, it, it's not. Like I don't. Yes, Audra is famous for video, and they're really good at it, and they build fantastic products, um, and it's very um, you know that's that's kind of what they're known for in the market, or what we're known for in the market. But, I was about to say, uh, it's not a wee yeah. thing now, not a day. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, so the, the higher deck thing, I think, is absolutely, though, in line with the Audro vision, which is to build technology which humanizes the hiring experience. So that doesn't, humanizing something doesn't have to mean that you've got a talking head on a video. video. Yeah, absolutely. It's just bringing the people element back in. And, and, you know, coming from the world of CRM and seeing how AI is kind of changing the face of recruitment. And, you know, people are, there's a real difference in AI at the minute in terms of you know um some some recruitment businesses absolutely see the value and are using it to to carry out mundane things so they can bring the human in others just see it as a way to cut heads like mm -hmm. how many people can I get rid of once I've got chat GBT and it's a really dangerous thing to think yeah. because it's you know there are some roles within recruitment as all of the recessions and the pandemic and everything else that recruitment industries had chucked at them there are some things that only the recruiters can do um and so you know now i'm sure that um when ryan decided to build all of this product suite he probably didn't have the fact that it's going to fit really well in terms of timing with chat gpt and you know the new ai tools that are coming in so part of its luck but also it's it's great timing because we're in a world where you know there's there's almost kind of this threat from from ai and it's a fantastic opportunity to amplify humans in the recruitment mm. process and we build products we build technology that enables you to do that in lots of different ways now just because it's humans um obviously the video plays a part in it but it doesn't have to and i, I would say watch this space you'll see more products in our suite yeah. that enable you to amplify your humanness um that don't have any video in them because there's, yeah. there are other ways to do it and not everyone likes video as that's why adoption in video tends to be lower than than other products it's, it's funny, really. I've always said since the whole like, AI thing has come on that AI is an augmenter, not a replacer. If it helps yeah. you do 90% of the heavy lifting and then you give it the finishing human touch, then great. That was kind of the dream for automation all those years ago when sales sequences came around, when CRM automation was a thing, as you'll be very, very aware of, right? It takes away the busy work so you can actually use the part that's unique to you, the human element, to go and do the human parts of selling, exactly. of serving customers, whatever it might be, right? But we could turn this into an AI podcast all day long, honestly. Let's do that. I, I could I'm, talk I'm, about I'm AI forever. I'm, I talk about nothing else at the moment. It's so lovely to talk, actually talk about people uh, with you on this. On this, if, if I'd have looked in my calendar this morning and seen that I had an AI podcast this afternoon, I'd have might have like, oh lost to live. It would have been like the third session I've done this week. Um, oh, God. But me, me and Ryan are actually doing one if you are interested on Thursday at two o'clock. So. Ah, there you go. Maybe, Love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I'll come and take a look. I'll come take a yeah. look. Um, I mean, speaking of people, let's go back to a yeah. couple of stories because people and yeah. stories, they go so well together. I want to hear the, um, the moment you're most proud of 
in your career where it involves someone that you are managing, but also a horror, now obviously no names, but also a horror story. What was the biggest lesson maybe you learned from that horror story as well? Uh, okay, so I will I will go back to the Vincherry acquisition for the for the proudest thing, and and you know I talked about that for me just from a very selfish point of view a second ago, but you know from a people point of view, um, you know I think you 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 just said yourself that when people say Vincherry, they, they, they do think of me or they think of Eloise or whatever, and what people don't realise is that that team in Vietnam are the most amazing group of people I have ever met in my life and you know for for them to be able to achieve that you know having you know that that would have never been possible for a lot of them and you know they had you know kudos to Bernie and, and Eloise because they were out there as well and they were they were leading that team fantastically but I feel as though there were so many people behind the growth of the business that were just unsung heroes and never got a mention from all the way to the start. To they the aren't end. the pretty face in the spotlight, but they were doing an awful lot, right? They were doing so much. And, you know, all of the dev team um, and, you know, the marketing team would just, just work so, so hard in terms of the growth of that business. And, you know, me and Eloise got to front it and do all the, the nice stuff and everything else. But I feel like. Those dinners, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which isn't always <laughs> a good thing, you know. We, I've, got, I've got a bed to go to. <laughs> So yeah, I think from a, a people perspective, I, I felt incredibly proud of of, of the team, um, and a real kind of sense. I think I, you know, I heard about it, and then I, with the decision had been made, and then I took the dogs out for a walk, and it was just one of those defining moments. It's near Christmas, everything was looking really pretty. Um, I'd been through a, a bit of a rough time uh, personally, like recently, just before, um, and it kind of drew a line under that for me as well, um, and financially as well. Um, and so there was almost everything just kind of kicked into place. Mm. And I felt like it was one of those real kind of defining moments where I was so proud of the team and everything that it achieved. So that's that's probably going to stick with me for forever. That's um, very lovely. Yeah. But, you know, I might be saying the same thing about Audrey in four years. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> um, and... and then talk to me about, then talk to me about a horror story. Then. And a think here about story. one maybe that's gone that you've had to manage directly as well. What I'm looking for here is like, Tactical advice on leadership. So what went wrong? What did you have to do to fix it? Okay, so let's think about this now. Again, no names. No names. <laughs> and you can you can word it as politically as you like. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not sure how um your team um managed because you are you guys always been remote? Were you off since, space? Since COVID, we've stayed we realised traveling two remote. hours a day, pats onto trains like sardines was not fun, so we stayed remote. Uh, yeah. Okay, right. Okay. So I suppose um when um so so the thing is with Vincherry is that we were very much a work from uh, office culture no one had ever worked from home um never it would it wasn't allowed it wasn't a, a thing and then obviously covid was uh, was was kind of forced everyone um to to work from home and so my sales team and i hope they wouldn't mind me saying this <laughs> my sales team were You'll very find very out after this is released yeah hello <laughs> Sorry, guys, love you. Um, so they were young um, and they'd just been so used to living each, in each other's pockets. You know, they did everything together. They went out drinking together, went for lunch, went to the gym. They did everything together. And all of a sudden, they're like dotted around their bed sits in London. And it was an absolute nightmare trying to get them to kind of 
be motivated um, and I felt like most of the time I was kind of picking them up off the floor like sometimes I would go on to a team meet at nine o'clock on a Monday morning mentioning no names but if he's watching he'll know who he is and he's literally just got out of bed you can totally tell that he's got out of bed and so I felt like this team that were like super dynamic and some of these guys were there before me and had uh, had helped me to learn the product and everything and I'm like what's happened to you and it's a, it's almost like something had, had disappeared and mm. it had and it's that kind of team that sales team culture which I think you know your team my team we've now had to put in technology and other things to kind of replace that and um, and over the course of the three or four years since we've managed to fine-tune that and get it right but that immediate impact and me not having the time to plan and test and everything else mm. uh, pretty much meant that I had no no sales team for like at least the first kind of three months um of covid and uh, you know there, there were points that i just thought you know it's going to be me on my own because they they, they can't do it and i felt sorry mm. for them as well because it was hard for some people to be you know no garden just sat at home i mean when they're i, so I used could not imagine anything people. worse than being living around the center of london for example paying an absolute packet for a tiny little room when the reason why you're paying for that is to be able to enjoy the city of London and you can't go and can't enjoy it, it, right? And it was a real, you know, it wasn't, it, it was it was forced upon them and it was quick. So if you had time to adjust to something like that, then maybe. But I, I just found that some of the, you know, the best people became, um, you know, for, for a short period of time, pretty useless. Um, and it was because they're just, they'd, they'd almost like lost the, the will to sell <laughs> mm. um and it's really challenging and 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 actually you know i'm obviously um quite i, I try and be as, as as empathetic to these things as possible and you know if I, if I feel like someone's got something you know that i can grow and and, and develop then i'll hang on to that for dear life and I'm, you know because some people just don't have that but if i see it i'll try and nurture it and grow it but you know not everybody's like that so you know i could have been under pressure to to cut heads and and that kind of thing so yeah i feel like that was a difficult time um and and one that we did come back from we didn't keep everybody um and that that was quite hard as well because we did lose people um mm. and um and, and you know people that were quite new into the role that then you know what you're going to do go into the market at the start of a pandemic horrible, and start right? looking yeah. for a new sales job it was a, it was just yeah it was just a bit yucky and and whilst it was i suppose the silver lining was that i did have a job and i got a promotion <laughs> Sorry, nice um, but yeah, but it's it, it, that kind of tainted that for me. There was no celebration. There was no high five moment. It was more of a, I've 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 managed to kind of hang on to 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 my role. So it was a a really kind of bittersweet thing because whilst I'd I'd managed to stay, um, others hadn't and didn't 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 make it. So yeah, mm. that's a it's a real challenge. But you know, but part of the challenge of that, as as you know, as you'll probably find if you if you manage sales teams and ever have to lose people, whether it be as part of pan pandemic or just a performance review or downsizing or whatever, it's not just feeling bad for the people that go, it's then trying to then re-motivate everybody. So it's almost like, you know, you get rid of people and you have to walk back in the room and go, anyway, come yes. on then, on the it's, phone. It's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, I mean, being candid, it's, it's an experience we've had recently. We've let one of our SDRs go and our sales engineer go, for example, recently. Right. Uh, bless them both. 
and having to go to the team and kind of be you know, i've always been super transparent transparent as a leader i'm very casual as well so i'm always just like look i want to be super candid with you guys about why this has happened i'm not going to sit here and slander the person and be horrible about them but this is the reality either they weren't performing or there's something else that was amiss any questions please do come and ask me and a realization the last couple of days has been a couple of our newer starters have then kind of panicked and been like oh god they let people go during their probation i'm still in probation i could be next yeah and having to kind of like put your arm around them and just say look no like we've hired you because we believe in you right now sometimes sure it won't work out but we'll let you know if it's coming to that and we'll work through it together and it's a really it's a difficult thing as a leader because you do want to be able to you know you've, you've got to make these hard decisions for the sake of the team you know if you want to have a high performing team you've got to have high performance shock horror and trying to be candid with people it's it's always a tightrope to walk because you don't want to be over honest at the stage that it looks like that you're slagging people off yeah. but you also don't want to hold so much back that it just likes you're peddling out a corporate line about we wish them all the best and you know they were great while they were here because people look at that and just go yeah bullshit, right yeah, it bullshit. is really hard it is and i always think it's hard like you say you you you're absolutely right it's it's, it's harder to manage the the managing the letting people go is very temporary you know you you as i said before you you have the conversation early you eat the frog you do what's best for them and i do believe that's not me cop, having a cop out and be like it's easy for me so it's it's actually best for them um to to go and do something different mm. you know an underperforming sales team is not a nice place to be and it, if you're not performing it doesn't matter whether you might look like you are you know and, and you put on a good act everyone goes home and knows that no one no one wakes up in the morning and is like i feel like being shit today like yeah everyone wants to be good so when you're not it feels rubbish and that's human nature so I actually don't get a kick out of it, but I do feel as though releasing somebody from that pain is actually the right thing to do. And eventually, you know, no one, no one's ever, you know, come back to me after they've been fired and said, you're a bitch, you ruined my life. It's quite the opposite, actually. Um, and that's all about how you do it. The hard part is the other people and saying, yes. right, okay, come on then, let's, let's, let's crack on. And like your you say, finding that line. responsibility is your team, right? Regardless of what's actually happening around it. Totally, yeah. But let's try mm. not to have too much um, sacking people anyway. Let's let's try <laughs> no, let's some hiring people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, this is probably a good note to kind of start to wrap things up on as well. When it comes yeah. to hiring people, what are the top three things that you look for? So let's say someone out there is a first-time leader like you were back in the day. I think it sounded like it's a long time ago. Yeah, like you were cheers. back when you were first hiring people. <laughs> what advice would you give someone when it comes to hiring what should they look out for what should they be wary of what things do you get excited by when you see or speak to candidates so just from a personal perspective i actually and i'm not sure whether this this carries over to other industries but if you're in rec tech go for recruiters honestly <laughs> i just feel as though even though you might have a little bit of a journey to, on the on the tech side um it's that for me, one of the one of the hardest parts of onboarding new people in rec tech is, and, and actually not just onboarding them, but just to keep bringing them back to the outcomes and the pain, is getting them to understand what it's like to, to work in recruitment because mm. it is it is a bit of a different industry oh, and it is, yeah. it's different mindset and everything else. And you know, is recruitment sales to you? Does it count? Well, I did say yes until I learned how to do proper proper sales. <laughs> <laughs> you saying recruitment isn't proper sales it's not good enough to be called sales it's it no it's not it's not sales in the purest form so there's yeah. no you know now actually they're starting to catch on i think um uh there's there was a, a piece i can't remember who, i saw it on linkedin um recruitment companies are now starting to set up like sales cadences 
Yeah, they're actually having like BD teams and stuff. In fact, Source Whale's a really good bit of tech for that as well, to be fair. I've noticed and that I think it is. It's the like... Source Whales and the Force 24s. They're all starting to come into recruitment businesses now. That's so it. actually, I, I feel like it will be like proper structured sales. You know, once once I actually learned, as I said before, you know, the whole access journey where I learned, you know, the, and, I, and I became obsessed with all of the different sales books and everything else, um, you know, um, I'm in pavilion, like I, I'm just obsessed with it now. Then you realize that actually all of the years that you've been saying, well, recruitment's no different to any other sales role. You were wrong <laughs> um, because it was <laughs> I am waiting wait to see the first recruitment company that takes like a SaaS style model where you have the equivalent of SDRs, sourcing jobs, for example, yeah. and delivery managers that are CSMs managing that relationship, right? I, I actually know, think kind of, it's going to happen had, though. I think I it had is like happen. 180 models before, but it's not quite the same. But I think I'd be really curious to see how that does as a model. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I've spent some time in the US as, as you have um, and talking to the, the bigger recruitment companies there, you know, it's not even a 180 model. It's just completely separate. Sales mm. is sales. Recruiting is recruiting. They're just mm. completely separate, um, which actually was quite timely for us modulizing our product because we were able to kind of, you know, hit both uh, separately without overcharging. So, um yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I do think that it's becoming more like sales, but I, I believe that I was wrong for the years that I thought there's no difference between selling people and software because there mm. is a huge difference. Fair what enough. was our original discussion about? <laughs> I was about Hiring. to say, one hell of a tangent we went on there for a little injection, wasn't it? Hiring. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so I, um, yeah, in, in RecTech, I'd say that um, or any kind of recruitment-related industry, recruit you know an ex-recruiter is a, is a pretty good shout just because you don't have to then try and educate them as to how recruitment works. Yeah, um, get it. Yeah, in product sales, you know, I feel I feel like one of one of my things that I want to get out of a, an initial conversation with a candidate is I want to see whether they understand how products work or or, or you know product development works. I'm not asking them to code anything. I just want them to have a basic understanding um, of, of how it works. Because as I said right at the beginning, that's where I think my Vinny guys topped some of their competitors. It wasn't just, you know, feature versus feature. It was them understanding how it all works under the bonnet and then being able to pl apply that to the customer's pain. That's, yeah. That was a real kind of winning um, formula. It, so, that's a pretty good summary there is one, deeply understanding the customer, and a second is deeply understanding the product, right? And the two coming yeah. together make for an excellent salesperson. Yeah. And then the hearts and minds piece. You know, yeah. I want to fall in love with them in that first meeting. So Josh, he worked with me at Vinnie. I had to make up questions to ask him in his interview so that I didn't sound like an, uh, a complete idiot because all i wanted to ask him was when can you start because <laughs> he totally won me over after like five minutes and then i was like i'm gonna have to flesh this one out now <laughs> but um try and draw yeah, it out he, he, to he totally won me over you know he can he can hold a room and i think that's uh for me that is the number one trait of, of somebody who's who's good in sales in that infectious you know, personality essentially just right, build that trust in. straight away you just trust him you just trust every you hang your coat on every on every word that he says um and actually that's that's quite unique in sales so i feel like a lot of salespeople have uh, the opposite of that where they they're very scripted and that builds mistrust and so I feel like you know if we if we work as as leaders to instill more confidence in our teams in their own abilities to you know be a be a human and to to win hearts and minds and they'll they'll definitely use the script in the back of their mind but it won't come through it'll all be them and mm. they'll 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 build that trust so that's that's what I'm looking for I'm looking for somebody that is is incredibly likable can build trust loves products and has some sort of idea of the industry that the whole 
all kind of sales process stuff. I think that's the easy to teach stuff. You know, yeah. I've, I've picked it up in a year or less, six months, and I'm now running a team and I've implemented the whole lot. Like, they're can, like little can, medic you teach, robots. You can teach knowledge, but not really. <laughs> you do medic as well, yeah. <laughs> you can teach knowledge, but not strictly the personality side. That's just yeah. kind of something you've got, right? It's not rocket science, that stuff. But yeah, I think the, the personality stuff and the ability to be able to understand, you know, customer's pain and how we apply product to, to outcomes, I think that's that's the money shot for me. Amazing. So if anyone's looking... <laughs> Me? not from one up <laughs> no stay where you are <laughs> amazing well donna look we've gone over the 45 minutes is oh, what okay. i normally said it'd be our max honestly I'll I, could talk another, I could talk for another hour in fact my cat has just started mewing because she knows that it's dinner time very oh, soon so i have to go and feed her very soon oh, okay. her well it's been lovely thanks for having me on it your has. first one and yes. um i hope the rest are um as interesting and i'll i'll definitely be uh subscribing and watching the mm. series we'll, well speaking to one of your teams soon actually so I i'll know. see what their perspective is eh Let's see what she says. What's kind of like as a boss? I'm, oh, I'm, no. I'm under a gagging order. I can't say a word. I can't wait to hear it. Exactly that. Anyway, yeah. thank you. Enjoy the sun, Donna. Absolute pleasure Thanks, speaking mate. to you and hope to have you on again soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.